Welcome to episode 44 of the UK Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Joined as always by me, Simon Stanley, and my three co-hosts, Rich Setrone, Dave Hart, and Gavin Marshall. How are you doing, guys? Not too bad. Yeah, yeah great. Doing good. Still kicking. Still kicking in lockdown. We're all still here. Okay. Uh, as much as the, the season seems uh, up in the air, we continue and march on, no matter how little there is to talk about. But there's plenty to talk about this week. It might not all be... Steelers specific, but there's there's a lot that I want to hit on that I think is relevant to us at least. Um, before we get on to that, uh, how are you all doing? Are you all are you all doing okay? This has been a yeah, hard I've week. Yeah, I suddenly realised like. the first of July. Like this off season's been like motoring. It must be all the virus and the you know the worldwide cataclysmic events qu- that have been yeah. happening. It feels quicker, right? Like I've thought about football less. Yeah, so it's not. Yeah, I actually tweeted out um, the other day. I don't know if you saw it. From the uh, from the podcast account, like when after the season do you start to really like pine for football again? Because that that started to hit me sort of the last two weeks, as it does every year. I think like oh, June is kind of, oh, end of June is when I start to really think like oh, I could really go for some football. You know what I mean? I usually appreciate the break, but it seems like a lot of people agree with me. Um, but some people think immediately they want it twenty four seven, which seems like that would that would not be good. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Is that hit you oh. yet? I'm right after the draft usually. The draft's okay. finished. And I kind of get this. What now? Mm. Yeah. Well, see, the, the the draft keeps me going, and then I can take a bit of a break after the draft of a month or so, and then that's when it starts sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the lull, isn't it? The lull before the pre, the pre sort of training camp lull yeah. is the toughest bit. So I guess I guess that's what you're getting at. A lot of other people replied. A lot of people replied saying like, "Oh, you know, usually I'd have baseball or this that or the other. I don't have this year, so it's been harder, but." Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, 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 this sort of point of the season is like where the real slow news starts coming in, isn't it? Like, I know we like there's a, like we were saying in previous weeks, it's just all lists, isn't it, the off season? But like when <laughs> Jay Cutler's posting about his chickens getting killed by a raccoon, <laughs> yeah. that's when news and, is and, real and slow. And you read it, you read it. That's the thing. Oh. Yeah, that's it. You, you actually click on it and read it all. Yeah. Damn, d- <laughs> d- Dave's, Dave's ruined the number one headline for this show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> had that one banged. Sorry. <laughs> How about you, Rich? How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, just you know, business as usual here in, uh, in uh, the times of the coronavirus. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, staying safe over the pond. Um, well, you know, you, you mentioned it. Nothing happens during this point of the off season uh, except this week when it apparently does. Um, so we'll start with the kind of the elephant in the room, uh, as Gav said before we started recording. Um, Cam Newton, uh, <laughs> horribly, horribly predictable, this, I think, goes to the Patriots. Uh, not only does he go to the Patriots, but he goes for a ludicrously novel, novel, nominal, what's the word I'm looking for? Tiny sum? What's the word? Nominal, nominal thank you. Nominal sum. Uh, I mean, this guy, so what is it, 7.5 million contract with bonus incentives, but but it's like a 550 base salary guaranteed, uh, 1 million base salary overall. It, it's nothing, it's peanuts for a guy that's an MVP quality player when healthy. Um, this this upset me. Did everyone have the same visceral reaction I had on Twitter when 
No, this I had down. the exact opposite opposite reaction to really? you. I, I saw your take. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I put aside my my Steeler homerism for a second, Ooh. and I was just pleased to see. I like Cam. I was pleased to see him back in the league, and I just think it's good for football. I, this, you know, the the Patriots. They they've been good for a while, and I kind of don't want them. I want to. I want the Steelers to beat them fair and square. I don't want them to beat them. With you know a turkey at, at quarterback, and all respect to Jared Stitton, but we don't even know what he is. But um, I want them to be competitive, just so that we can beat them, right? And and also, if they if I don't want them tanking for Lawrence, that would, that would be an absolute nightmare if they tank and get you know possibly the best you know draft QB prospect be coming out for a decade. I don't want that. So I, I was pleased, and I, yeah, I just but really just. As a football fan, I just think it's more exciting. Cam Cam deserves to be starting somewhere, and yeah, hopefully he'll get. You know, I think maybe not hopefully, but I think you know he probably will play himself onto a longer deal there if 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 uh, the health issues aren't a problem. And and you know that's he's got he's only thirty one. He's got you know a couple five six years left in him definitely. So I think I think I, I didn't have the same reaction to you, no. Fair enough. I, I, listen, I, I'm, this is not against Cam. Obviously, I, I want Cam to be in the league. I think he's an exciting player, and he's you know he's been one of those mainstays that that was probably at his most exciting when I first got into football, right? So, you know, he's he's been one of these players that I've been with uh, the entire time, and you know, I'm glad to see he's, he's still in the game. He absolutely should be. But I mean, you can say you know you, we, we're glad for Cam, but you, at the same time, you can say, well, why is this guy? On? I mean, Richard Sherman said it right. He, he addressed what he considered was the elephant in the room, which was you know why is Cam Newton earning this, uh, and then you got you know. X, Y, Z journeyman quarterback playing backup for all these teams, earning, you know, five, six, seven times as much as he is. So, you know, we know there's injury concerns there and, and this, that and the other, but, you know. Don't pretend you're annoyed about the contract. I'm not annoyed about you're the contract. About I'm not annoyed about the contract. About I'm not. I'm annoyed that he's on the Patriots for this contract. Yes, that's yeah, of course I am. Okay. I'm not, okay. I'm, so no, you're right. annoyed about the competitive advantage the, the Patriots yes, have got. absolutely. By, yeah, I'm not, right. yeah let, let's not, let, yeah, fair point. Uh, let's not pretend that I'm like crying over for Cam Newton or anything, right? <laughs> this guy's got his own fashion designer coming up with hats for him every week, you know. He, I'm not going to lose any sleep about this guy's bank account. But uh, it is ridiculous though, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, but it's only for one year. It's not like he's going to play play on this on this deal next year if if, if it works out for him. He's right. gonna, you know, he's yeah. going to get him paid next year. Yeah, I'm in Gab's corner on this one. I'm on I'm on Team Gab. I think it's I'm, I say I'm really happy for for Cam. I really like Cam. And like you say, you want if you're going to beat the Patriots, you want to beat them when they're at full you know at full health with a decent quarterback. But um, sort of injury is is the issue, isn't it, with Cam? Sort of, and, and it's sort of that. Thinking of that led me down a bit of an internet rabbit hole, and led me to sportsinjurypredictor.com, oh dear. which I never knew existed. This is an actual thing, and you can pay to be a member of it. Um, well, <laughs> they I'm charge you like ten dollars yeah. a month to look at stats of how likely it is a player going to get injured. It's, it's. I don't know who's paying for that. It's not that me. Is, that is snake oil and voodoo, isn't it? The same guys yeah. that pay for PFF. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it, it turns out that Cam is. Um, it turns out Cam is third in the league in terms of probability of injury for the season. Okay. So he's forty-five percent probability of injury. And do we want to take a guess? Who I was going to say, who's he behind? Is it Ben No, no, not Ben. So he's ahead of Lamar and Ben. Ben is sixth. Ben is forty-one point five percent. James right. Conner. In terms of quarterbacks. Oh, okay. in quarterbacks, Just okay. Quarterbacks. Um, Philip Rivers? No. 
Any other guesses before I tell you? Let me think. Hang on. I know it's not exactly classic radio. Classic bad bad (laughs) podcasting, right? Just thinking about names. Um, Uh, Someone's screaming like a a really injury-prone quarterback right now, and I just cannot think. Uh, Tannehill? No. Aaron Rodgers. Number one was Josh Allen. Oh, I nearly said that. But why uh, is Josh Allen? Why is Josh Allen? Any... Yeah, no, I know, but so is Lamar Jackson. I don't know. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, but Jackson was surprisingly far down. I can't remember what he was, but he was quite. He was like halfway. Um, number two was uh, Mariota. What What are they using to? Has <laughs> not been played yet? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I it don't falls. know. But it's um. But yeah, Mari, Mariota was number two, and behind him was on at, at fourth was Derek Carr. So the Raiders would be screwed this season if they. But um. <laughs> How 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 come they can both be most up there and the most likely? They can't both be playing. You're gonna have to consult sportsinjurypredictor.com. <laughs> Send them Dave, a, 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 Dave, you've jumped a the shark with this. Email. You've jumped the shark this again. Part, yeah, parting fools and their money for decades. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like since 2012, he's had three, four, five, six, seven, eight separate injuries, and one of them put him out for after week two for the rest of the regular season. So it's a high chance he's probably going to miss some time, if not, uh, you know, uh, an old injury being you know, brought up again. So who's to say that he's even going to, you know, be there for the full season anyway. So maybe they've made a good deal paying him. So they'll, yeah. but, you know, Listen, it, it, it's it might be a good deal for the Patriots. It's possible, but, but you know, it, it's the Belichick factor that scares me. I mean, who knows what Cam Newton's going to be? He's got the talent, and now he's got Bill Belichick molding that clay, you know? It, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a scary thought. Rich, what, what do you think of this? I think it's going to be real interesting to see how it plays out throughout the season because, you know, Cam, Cam's, you know, he improvises quite a bit. And, you know... Belichick, without a doubt, uh, I think he's he's the most, for lack of a better term, anal coach when it comes to being a stickler for system. Mm. You know, like it's his way or the highway, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how Cam fits within that system. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, he ha- he's, I'm sure he's very grateful to have this opportunity. He's going to probably be on his P's and Q's for, for a while at least. But then, you know, like plays break down sometimes and, you know, he improvises quite a bit. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, that's 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 definitely true. But it's also I think he's, he'll be in a, in a more sophisticated offense than he's than he's used to where there'll be more things open. I think I know he hasn't got the wide receivers that the, the Patriots have had normally. But um, I think yeah, they've got the, the, some of the best offensive minds in the game. So and he's 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 good. He's actually pretty good at that sort of quick quick pass game that uh, the Patriots do. And I think you know James White is going to benefit you know all those kind of read you know RPOs and read options and stuff that he's great at. You know, I could I, I I'm I, I'm concerned from a sort of you know Steelers playing them. It could be effective. Well, I don't know how much he was asked in Carolina to really you know read defenses the way he's going to have to pre-read you know, the defense and read during the play like Brady. I mean, that was to me, that's Brady was brilliant at that. I think he was probably, he might be the best quarterback in the history of the game at reading defenses. So, you know, when you're used to that type of operator in your system, you kind of take it for granted after a while. I don't know if Cam's been asked to do that very often. 
Yeah, I think I think he's good. I kind of think about you know the the kind of breaking uh, quick passes out out to the flat and um, obviously hitting Greg Olson. He hasn't got a Greg Olson on the Patriots, so that that's an issue. That kind of reliable every down target. Um, I mean, I know Edelman's kind of, but he's a different kind of player to to that. He's kind of more of an anticipation based, you know, breaking on routes kind of player. But I I don't know. I think I think Cam is underrated. I think for that, I think he's more cerebral than people give him credit at times. I think the accuracy is the issue. I think he's so volatile with the ball. That's that's more of an issue. And I think I think that's going to he's going to be on a short rope with that. You know, gets, you see him throw wild passes. Do you not just have images though, Gav, of of Cam Newton holding the the Super Bowl trophy with with, with Belichick next to him next year? This scares me to death, man. Like <laughs> them having the competition. I was so you know what else? I said this on Twitter again. What else can twenty twenty take from me? This was like the, the number one thing I was looking forward to was the Patriots being bad. And I get what you're saying. You know, it's like oh yeah, we want to beat the Patriots when they're at full strength. You know what, Gav? To be honest, I, I could take a season of them sucking. I would enjoy it. You know, and I think Jets fans and Bills fans and Dolphins fans are with me as well. Um, and that leads me to my question: Do you think this makes the Patriots the favourites again in the AFC East? Obviously, the Bills have been touted by most people as the favourites in that division for a long time now. Yeah, I think they are. I think I think the Patriots. I think I think you can't just can't count out Bill. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to watch, isn't it? Without without Brady there, but we've seen Bill do it with uh, with Castle there. So uh, yeah, I think I think this elevates him above the Bills. You know, that, uh, I'm that... wondering if. Um... I'm wondering if this is the NFL saying, like, there's going to be no seasons, so there's no fantasy football, so have this instead. This is your fantasy football. You know, um, Brady and uh, Gronk can go to go to the books. Cam can go to the Patriots. That, this is your fantasy football. You can't have anything else. Just talk about no, what sure it's Simon's happen. fantasy. No, it's not. No. Simon's nightmare. <laughs> it is my nightmare, man. We've got Gronk and Brady together again in Tampa, and now this is... It's a living nightmare, but I, I don't All we know. need is uh, Antonio Brown to go to the Ravens. Oh, God. Well, but let's uh, talk. He might be on the Seahawks, right? You know, which is another bit of uh, news which we won't go into too much. But you know, I, I could see that happening. He's been training with Russell Wilson, but uh, I think it, to the Ravens. I mean, that's. I think you know, I, I tweeted the other day. That would be like what you see. What most Steelers fans, when they confront Pennywise the clown, that would be their <laughs> vision. You'd suddenly be in the stands watching that AB score touchdowns for the Ravens. That'd be uh, awful. Yeah, don't don't we play them near Christmas this year? <laughs> oh God, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> um, the only other thing I wanted to ask on the uh, the cam front, um, you know, I think the Steels have been mentioned a lot as, and I I think we sort of pooed it, and I think we were right to probably in terms of uh, the prospect of signing Cam Newton as a backup. Um, but then you kind of look at this contract and think, you know, is there a way that maybe this would have made sense? And we've already spoke about that, so I don't want to get too deep into it from, you know, specifically the Steel's perspective. Gav, obviously you made it clear that, you know, maybe it wouldn't be the best thing for the locker room and, and someone for Ben to, you know, would he be able to hold that? But in terms of the rest of the league, you know, I said, should, should this have been allowed to happen? And I don't mean from a, you know, an NFL front office perspective. I mean more from other teams. I mean, why did no other team sign him? I mean, did nobody else go out and think, you know, I mean, he, he, bite the bullet. Someone sign him just so he doesn't play for the damn Patriots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard some some people saying that about Mariota. That was what why the Raiders signed signed uh, Mariota to keep him away from the Chargers. You know, so yeah, I don't know why um, why someone didn't do that. Why why didn't the Bills grab him? Yeah, man, the Bills, the, the Bears were a big one early on in the off season before they they went and got Foles. Um, yeah. it's just it's it screams 
you know, another it's so Bel- it's so Belichick, right? You know, you think of that gif where he sat there at the combine just sort of with his little binoculars chewing on some nuts. It's it's classic <laughs> that. It's classic that and you know, you gotta be credit to him, you know, this is why he's one of the best coaches of all time. He he sits there and patiently waits for these kind of things to play out and and usually ends up with a steal, but it's infuriating, man. It's infuriating. Did um, I read right that um, they made the offer a while ago, and he, he Cam's been mulling it over, and now he's they, he's come back and gone, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And did I did I read that or did I dream that? I, I'm not sure. I I, didn't, I haven't heard that he did necessarily presented it to Cam early. I don't I mean they might have done. Uh, I heard that Bill was interested early, but wasn't interested mm. at the going rate, so waited and waited. I mean they might have done. Who knows? But they basically just offered him the bare minimum, haven't they? That's what yeah, they've done. More or less. Minimum and a load of incentives. So yeah, he probably he probably did think, oh, I'll get a better offer, and then no one's come calling. So suddenly the Patriots do seem like a more appealing, you know, start opportunity to start on a you know winning team. Yep. And uh, you know this, and also the Jameis contract. You know, if Ben goes down this season and we face another season of Mason Rudolph, and you know we go through the same rollercoaster we did last year. We are going to hear it from Steelers fans. Just, I'm just yeah. putting that out there. Well, you know, whether the, whether the Steelers could have done anything about it, I mean, who knows if either of those players were even remotely interested. But either well, way, you can't we can't do it again, right? We we pulled off magic last year, you know, with, with salvaging the season. The D salvaged the team essentially. I don't think that would happen again. I think it would just collapse if if Ben can't play and they don't bring anyone in. You know, we could be rather than talking about you know Brock Purdy. Or Trey Lance, we could be talking about Fields or Lawrence. Oh, no, don't go there, Gav. Don't go there. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm just saying, I think the Steelers will be, you know, pundits will have a field day um, destroying this front office if, if Ben goes down and we're struggling again this season with the quarterbacks that were available to us. So it's just worth thinking about. Um, not 16 minutes after Cam was signed, uh, the Patriots were back in the news again. Remember when they uh, filmed the sideline of the Bengals? Um, so this was the real reason why they signed Cam Newton. Exactly right. It's all about PR with Bill. Um, so it turns out they got... I don't know what exactly the fine was. Um, I didn't jot that down. But the main thing... million dollars, wasn't it? A million dollars, yeah. So, you know, pocket change for Robert Kraft. But um, the main thing is they lose a third round pick um, for filming the sidelines uh, of the Bengals, um, which I always found to be ironic, you know. It's funny that they filmed the sidelines of the, the worst team in the league that season. Um you know, we we spoke about this when it happened, I think, and I think people have generally forgotten about it and, and written it off as a kind of an innocent mistake, but, you know, it's just another chapter in the, you know, quote-unquote Cheatriots dynasty that people want to talk about. Yeah. Um, and basically forgotten until two minutes in April 2021 when Rich Eisen says, and this is the uh, pick where the Patriots <laughs> lost because of the video, and that's it. Everybody's forgotten. <laughs> I don't know, do you think this was fair comeuppance? Rich, do you want to go? You go. Oh, I don't know. I think it could. Have, I think based on their track record and what's already been proven, uh, I think that it should have been stiffer than that. I think it was a little slap on the hand. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gone from Spygate to Deflategate to this, and I was a little bit surprised actually. I mean, I guess. I, there was internal investigations, I suppose, that, that ruled that it really was more of an innocent mistake, and, and you know who, you could buy those or you can't. But that's what the NFL, I think, decided, and it was more. And they also got banned from doing any, I think, any recording for their own team, like document whatever they make, you know, during game days for the next year. So fake, fake documentaries. Yeah, yeah. So, so not hot, like fake documentaries anymore. Yeah, some poor guy in the the social media team for the the Patriots has lost his job, no doubt. That's the real. Hmm. 
the real issue. Um, but yeah, uh, is it cynical to think that they signed Cam Newton just to cover this? <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, to be honest, I don't think they really care. They're, so, they're just bare-faced. They don't care. Let's yeah. face it. It's one of the worst um, sort of cheating things since uh, the Fal- the most embarrassing one since the Falcons pumped in uh, crowd noise. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Um, the only other thing I really, the, obviously, the other big thing in the NFL story this week is the the fact the preseason's been cut in half. Um, yeah, uh, we we talked about the Hall of Fame game being cancelled last week. Now the preseason's been cut in half. Insiders are already saying, "Don't even expect this to be the extent of it." I mean, we could be looking at no preseason. Uh, I mean, we could be looking at no season, frankly, uh, the way things are going. Um, you know, who do you believe here? Because on one hand you've got that, and then on the other hand you've got the Steelers saying they're expecting to have some fans in the in the stands. Like, who, who do you believe here? Does it does it depend who you vote for? Like, what's what's going on? I don't know, <laughs> Rich. What's the feeling near you? Are people expecting football where you are, or are they expecting? I mean, I saw a, t- a tweet from uh, someone this week who sent out a poll asking, "Will there be football this year?" And like the the, the overwhelming uh, thing was no. From the fans, people are expecting football might even be cancelled. Yeah, I, from you know the feeling around here is, for the most part, that uh, I could see is that people are expecting football. That it will, the football season will happen, but it's going to be similar, I think, to what the UFC is doing right now. Everybody will be tested before the game. Um, there will be no fans in the in the seats, and um, if if you don't, if you do. Uh, a test positive you know of course you're not going to be able to play the game in fact i you know i've been seeing uh, articles lately saying you know how are they going to handle uh, the coronavirus if you know if uh, if 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 people if players like if, say like half a team can't play like are they going to have a special you know covid-19 reserve list you know for for quarantine players so you can have an un, almost an unlimited amount of players step in and then where would you even get them you know, and you know what happens if the team just can't fill a roster for a game. You know, there's a lot of questions, but you know, I, I, as far as the feeling is now, it, the feeling is that they're going to figure it out and they're going to work something out. Um, but but uh, there will be a season, hopefully. Is this how Landry Jones finds his way back into the NFL? Could <laughs> <laughs> <It will> be. Be <laughs> starting in the Super Bowl for the Patriots, no doubt. Um, even if they do allow fans in, I've heard talk of them having to sign waivers to be allowed into the stadium. And even that's going to be a logistical nightmare. How do you sign something with physical contact? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could sign, you could, you know, click a box before you before you go. Yeah, I suppose. Digital. Yeah. But I think, I think the, if there's only two pre-season games, I mean, that's going to... That's a massive shake-up for the league in itself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how how different that's going to be. You know, the Steelers usually play their starters for what one quarter of a game, but then the rest of the time is a, it's kind of evaluation. But the, the the Steelers have got some serious questions on offense they need answering, and they need those preseason games to kind of to work things out. Right, the O line needs to be worked out, and Big Ben needs needs time to get back into rhythm. The the, the kind of wide receiver core has changed. Um, we need to have, you know, need to, Ebron needs to be worked in. McFarlane needs, you know, snaps to they work out. Need to work out, you know, running backs. You need to get them rookie running backs. You want to get them going early because they don't have long. So you want to get them going fast. So, you know, the, the preseason is a time to, to kind of test those guys out, find out what they can do in game. I mean, I mean, the the D is kind of more set, you know, and, and but 
again, that's a chance to to find out what UG3, Cam Sutton, Justin Lane, Bugs, Highsmith, Antoine Books, and, and Wormley, they, those guys will need to sort of show what they can do. So it, it, it's tough, but every team's going to be going through this. And then what 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 effect is it going to have, you know, on cuts? You know, maybe maybe teams are going to misevaluate and going to cut players that they shouldn't be cutting, and maybe there's going to be some bargains out there on waivers to be had. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of ramifications. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be. I just I would hate to work in logistics or scheduling or, or any of that stuff in the NFL right now. It would be, uh, it would be an absolute nightmare. Um, and you know, not to take it too far away from football, but th- this is a week where it's really hit me. You know, as in the UK, at least we start to kind of, um, at least initially try and move out of this kind of extended lockdown we've been in, and we're trying, we're opening up in a couple of days, supposedly. You know, public venues and you know pubs and things like that. You know, I, I went to uh, a wildlife park the other day, right, um, for something to do, and it, it it was shockingly busy. I found it was like a load of people hanging around. Um, and, and it kind of hit me for the first time. This wasn't just going to be, you know, one day it's locked down and, and coronavirus and the next day it's over. This this is like, this is still unenjoyable, you know, because, <laughs> because you know, all the kind of, so many different things were closed and people were just so wary and there's massive lines to get to toilets and, you know, it's, you know nothing that's a major issue and, you know, it's all small in, in and of itself. But when you add it all up, it really made me think, you know, I still don't want to go and do stuff. I still don't want to go anywhere because it, it just feels kind of depressing to be in and around all these areas. And this is what this is what got me thinking about football, right? You know, are these games even going to be kind of enjoyable to, to go to or, or enjoyable events to attend? Because, you know, all these restrictions, it, it, it kind of loses a lot of feeling, you know, whether that's a, a zoo or a football game or, or a pub or whatever it is. You kind of, It just feels different and it feels wrong and it feels like this might be going on after you know the government mandated things have stopped you know people's psyches this is going to carry on for for a long time i feel like and yeah uh yeah that kind of hit me this week so you know not to be uh yeah. sorry dave just just in terms of like risk to players it, that's that's the sort of thing that i, I don't know it, it's I, I i think i've come to the understanding that there's gonna be no fans there mm-hmm. but it's the risk to players so are we I mean, heaven forbid that they, you start seeing deaths of players. But like the the um, the whole thing with COVID is that it it's more dangerous to people with underlying health issues. Yeah. And yeah, most of the NFL are the, the athletes. They're clearly very fit individuals. But when you start looking at you know things like a high BMI is a, a risk factor. Yeah. That means the whole offensive line and defensive line are, are potentially at risk. And they're in constant contact with each other. So, are they in the backs of their minds? Are they worried about the risks? Is that going to start affecting their play? Is that going to just sort of spoil things going forward? Because that's going to affect the whole game. I don't know. Yeah, I think it all sort of, from a mental point of view, I think it all sort of comes into into play really. And is it going to spoil the the game as a whole if they do go ahead with it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Cam Newton. Sorry, I'll say Cam Hayward actually said, didn't he, the other day that uh, he's he's got doubts about playing, whether he should play or not. Mm. I think he was just being, I think he was just speaking, honestly, I don't think he's actually entertaining not playing from, I mean, the headline said that, but then you read the article and the interview just said, you know, we need to be careful or whatever. Well, he's saying he's asthmatic as well, so yeah. it's, sort of, it's an extra risk for him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all kind of, I mean, the big one, the other big one is coaches, right? Uh, you know? 
a lot of these coaches are older or, you know, some of them are vastly overweight like me and, you know, <laughs> do you want to be hanging around large groups of men who, you know, God knows what they're doing and how quarantined they are, but, you know, we've seen with Dallas and Houston, there's already, and Clemson especially, right, the college, uh, mm. it's going to be tough, man, it's going to be tough, but I don't know, do you want to move on to, to, to a lighter note? Um because I don't feel like we're going to have all the answers. I'm just going to say <laughs> one thing that made me laugh. Uh, maybe this has done the rounds already. You were talking about the the post lockdown uh, pubs and everything. My mate texted me saying, "What's going on with the pubs? It seems like it's like a a middle aged pub drinkers' wet dream. The rules, you know, no shouting, no background music, no cues. Everyone, <laughs> oh, you know, everyone sitting down at tables. Yeah, quiet drinking in pubs. Maybe there are some good things for the middle aged." I'm getting around the pub. I don't know about you guys, but I I love this idea. It does sound attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Order your drinks from an app. Someone brings it to you. Uh, Sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) And then you said also, you know, you go to you go to B and Q, and someone puts a trolley. You know, gives gives you a trolley that's been wiped. You don't even have to fight at the at the at the the ranch or whatever it is. The you know the the depot for getting your your trolley. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe. Some some good things to come out of it. A change in society. We won't be elbowing each other at the bar to get our pint. <laughs> I, see, I, th- I think a good thing that's come out of it is customer service. I think because when it, like I, I love American customer service. People say it's fake, but I love it. I don't care if it's fake or not. I'm I'm not being grunted at by some spotty teenager in a shop. I, I love that even if it's not a, a genuine um, politeness. I like it because you're being polite. Whereas now I think companies are more realizing that they have to be polite to their customers, have to encourage their staff to be polite. So I'm because there's more interaction with staff now in terms of verbal interaction. They're, they're being a lot more polite. I, I've noticed that. I don't know if you guys have, but I, I feel I hope, I hope that's something that continues after all this. Yeah, but I'm also seeing a lot more obnoxious members of the public, though, like you know people that are. Uh, if they work there, you'd consider them jobs worth. I don't know what you call them just because they're there, but you know, you step one light, you, you know, one foot goes outside of the one-way system in the shop, and you're getting, you know, heads shaking at you. And I can't. I, <laughs> you know, I, this morning, right? Actually, I went to I nipped to get some food, and and the place where I was going was in, like inside a little shopping center. Uh, so I went in. I, I didn't even see that there was this one-way system yet, and and I'd walked around like. There was three of us, so we'd walk. I'd walked around this like little centre tree that was in the middle, and I'd obviously strayed into the other side of the One Direction thing. Oh, and this guy gave me the dirtiest look and shook his head. And I turned around. And I was like, "Oh, are you enjoying shaking your head, friend? Yeah, keep going. This, what is wrong with people? Like, this, we live in a society, guys. I don't want to sound like the Joker film, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. People just seem to just get on the moral high horse on Mount Pius, as Dave Damashit would say, right, Gav, um, about this stuff. Yeah. And that really starts to wind me up, like, um, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. What was that, sorry? Follow the damn rules. Oh, come off it, Gav. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, right, so, moving on. Gav, I believe you got some uh, some bits and pieces, maybe? Well, it was just um, uh, some bleacher report nonsense about uh, free agents. So, and, and... the thing that came out of these two pieces for me was that the, the Bleacher Report uh, writers need to coordinate their pieces a little bit more because they're perhaps <laughs> not 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 on the not on the same page. Like us. 
So we got yeah, I know. Yeah, just 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 take away and don't don't you know don't don't present a united front. Uh, we got Pope Lovejoy who uh, and Christopher Knox, both of whom I sort of uh, we've met, we've talked about before on here. Um, so uh, Pope Lovejoy's got twelve free agents for the Steelers. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? This is all just you know fantasy shopping because we know that there's uh, serious cap issues for the Steelers. But this is is anyway, he's he's produced this list of twelve players that the Steelers should be looking at if if their price is right. So number one, he's got sa- safety Tony Jefferson. Okay, I, I, I can get on board with that. And then he's got number two, another safety Kurt Coleman from the Bills, and number three, another safety Eric Reed. I, I can see that. You know, that safety is a big need. Um, obviously, they drafted Brooks, but he's more of a dimebacker. Um, so I, I can see, that, you know, some experience back there to help, you know, maybe uh, help out Terrell a bit and have some competition there. Not a bad idea. Then number four, uh, inside linebacker Wesley Woodyard. Number five, tackle Jared Valdir. Number six, Alec Ogletree, another linebacker. Number seven, Sean McCoy. Now, that that just seems like grey water to me. Why why would you want another running back coming in that's past his prime just to muddy the waters of of what we've got going on? So I, I just don't agree with that one at all. Number eight, Darren Lee, uh, another one I don't agree with. The guy just can't stay on his feet; he's falling over all the time. Uh, number nine, Will Compron. Number ten, Jonathan Cyprian, another safety. Number eleven, Demar Dotson on the O line. I mean, that would just be confusing having two O linemen called Dotson. And number twelve, another running back, Isaiah Crowell. I'm not on board with that one. So any of those names that you kind of think would be good? Uh, Ogletree would, you know, I, I, I could get on board with. I think I agree with you about McCoy. That doesn't that doesn't wet my whistle. Um, I think we spoke about Ogletree a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, as a potential yeah. sort of veteran to to, to back up. Uh, any, anyone you two guys like? Um. No one really stood out. I say say Ogletree got on board with, but other than that, I don't really. Nothing really jumped out at me off off that list. I'm I'm surprised the amount of. They seem to be pushing safety pretty hard. Yeah, four safeties in there. Yeah. 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 But I think, Whereas, I think that, is, that is a bit of a need. I think. Surely the bigger need is uh, middle linebacker, surely, because there's no pretty much no depth there. But, yeah. But, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Jonathan Cyprian. You know, I think he could be got yeah. at the right price. How old is Cyprian? He's young. Good question. Rich, what do you think about these? I'll Google that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Cyprian. Cyprian. Um, uh, maybe Ogletree. I'm not, you know, I haven't watched much of him uh, lately. I haven't really paid much attention to him. But I know when he when he came out, he had a few really nice years. Um, that's about it. That's the only two names that I really jumped out at me. Uh, Cyprian's 29. Wow, he's older than I thought. Okay. He's been around, man. He, he went to Titans, the Eagles. He's yeah, with the Falcons. He, he jumped yeah. around a bit in the last few years, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know if he, mm. his play kind of fell off a little bit, I think. But Never lived up to the potential. Mm. Uh, and then uh, Christopher Knox did... Uh, ten, the top 10 free agents under 30. And this was okay. this was league-wide, the top 10 free agents. And then he's highlighted the uh, which ones, so underneath each free agent, he put which teams he thought they were linked to, mm. right? And there were three of the 10 he linked to the Steelers, right? So mm. he's uh, number 10, Tony Jefferson, not linked to the Steelers, right? So it's so, like, okay, the other guy's number one free agent for the Steelers was Tony Jefferson. This guy's... Top number 10 free agent league-wide, not linked to the Steelers. Okay, okay, great. Then he's got uh, number nine, Theo Riddick. 
Then he's got number eight, which he did link to the Steelers, Darquise Denard. Interesting. Okay, I can see that. Right, number seven, quarterback Blake Bortles. And wow, this, is he without this a team? Is, yeah, and this is what uh, made me take note of this whole thing because it got me thinking. Bortles. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, do we need another guy who we don't believe in, like we don't believe in Mason? <laughs> <laughs> Does he have more upside than Mason? No. You don't think so? You've seen enough? Yep. Okay. I mean, <laughs> when he was drafted, and he was overdrafted, right, and it was a reach, but when he was drafted, the comp was Ben Roethlisberger. Now, could he, could he, given time, given a chance, could he succeed in, in the Steelers' offense? I mean, listen. If you wanted to bring him in as the uh, the current role that Paxton Lynch is serving, and get rid of him. Although I know you're you're on the Paxton Lynch train this year, Gav. But if you wanted to bring him in in that role and maybe see if he gets the number three job over Duck and and play that kind of game, then fine. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not buzzing about Bortles. He's 28. I I just I could see it. I I think that would be you know he's down. He's not he's not going to be you know causing the the locker room issues like Rich was saying about Cam. I think he's got, you know, I, I, I'd still like to see Mason around on this team as the number three. I actually would be very on board with bringing in Blake Bortles as, as the backup. Uh, maybe that's just me. What, what, do you, what do you guys think, Stoke? Um, I think that uh, only in a situation where, God forbid, Ben gets hurt. Um, I don't like the idea of putting Mason behind him because, you know, Mason's only been in the league, what, two years? So this is going to be a uh, possibly a, a, a big chance for him to, to show improvement and show that he deserves a spot on the team. I just don't think it's a great idea unless, of course, like I said, Ben goes down. And then I would, I would sign him and he would be my starter once he gets a grasp of the system. Because at this point in their careers, I think he's better than Lynch or Rudolph. Yeah, well, that, that's my point. You know, you keep Mason around to develop him for the future, but Blake Bortles would be your insurance policy that you could keep playing the same offense. You can rely on the defense. We've seen it before. We've seen, you know, the Jags when they beat the Steelers that year. We've built Bortles. You know, they they didn't go any further past the Steelers, but you know that D and and Bortles did enough, and that was with that was with less 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 weapons on on offense than what the Steelers have got. So I I, I can understand why it's you know people have. Be, you know, he's holding their nose when they hear this, but um, I think that, that that's an option if he's out there. Uh, anyway, I'll move on. So the next number six was Devonte Freeman, again linked to the Steelers. Again, don't think we need a sort of past it running back. You know, he was great when he came into the league, but I think he's you know I think he's done unfortunately. Um, number five, Edge Marcus Golden. Number four, uh, Logan Ryan, quarterback. Number three, number three. Alec Ogletree, again, not linked to the Steelers. So, like, like talk across your desks, guys. Like, what's going on? Number two, uh, Edge Edge was uh, Jadavion Clowney. Well, he's number now, two. Did I you see he the... he's... No, he's not. Um, so, Clowney, do... I saw a thing about, you know, should the Steelers have, have waited on, on signing Bud's franchise tag? And, you know, they want to know that COVID was going to happen and, and the world was going to collapse and, you know, that everything's going to change. But... You know, if they had waited, and you, you could go for for similar or possibly less than what they're paying Bud, would you go for Clowney? 
it's an interesting idea. I, I don't know that he serves exactly the same role. I don't know that he's the same kind. You know, Bud, last year we saw him sort of really get to the quarterback. I think, although maybe it would work, maybe Clowney could play that more support role to, to TJ Watt's dominance on the other side. I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I kind of get what you're going for. It might be a little bit too a little bit too coy, though. A little, You know what I mean? Like you say, they weren't to know that COVID was coming, but maybe that would have been a little bit Belichickian. Mm. I'd love to have seen it, man. I, as much as I like Bud, I mean, the, the, the kind of, you know, the all athletic speed rusher. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad they signed Bud, so it's difficult, but, you know, he's out there. Dave right stood now. Dupree's number one fan. Dave, what, yeah. What yeah, um, I am riding with, with Bud. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's much, other than the price tag, I don't think there's much different that he'd offer. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. I, it's. Uh, I was so. I've, I've liked Bud since he, since he, he joined the team, and it's sort of been a gradual thing. And yet, obviously, people were pretty down on him, calling him a dud. But last last season, he's shown himself to be the stud. You know, he's 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 been let loose now, and I think you've got to you've got to follow that up. I don't see a reason to sort of move away from him at the moment. If 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 we're talking a season down the line, maybe. But at the moment, I don't see much reason to move away from him. Um, maybe I've I've got my my blinkers on a bit. I probably have. To be <laughs> yeah. I just wonder whether who's who who would more likely take a, a long term restructured deal out of those two? Because obviously, you know, Bud plays this year. Will they? Can, I think they can franchise tag him again, right? But. That's that's probably it. Might be it. a little bit too expensive though, even to do that. Yeah, even with. But that's probably it. I don't. I think Bud's going to want to test free agency. Whereas Clowney, he's kind of tested free agency. He's done that. I think he now wants this. This is his time of his career where he needs to settle down and and try and win a Super Bowl, right? And try and kind of put put some put some kudos on the on on his uh, resume. To, that was kind of all potential in the draft, and he's never really lived up to that number one spot, has he? Hmm. Yeah, I don't hate it. You know, I think it's an interesting idea. I think Clowney originally was uh, betting to get paid a pretty, pretty substantial, probably more than Bud Dupree's got, right? That's what he wanted. But obviously, the market hasn't been there. He's comfortable waiting. Uh, we'll see what he ends up getting. Uh, I don't hate the idea, though. I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit split. Now, if he does go to the Patriots, that no, that that yes. would sicken me. Yep. I don't want to see that, but they, they can't afford that. They've really, they've got less capital. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so number one, yeah, Larry Wolford. Larry Wolford. Oh. So uh, that's uh, he. He'd cost too much, I think, for the Steelers. But that would be really exciting to get him. But um, yeah, it's not going to happen. So anyway, that's that's a bit of fun. Yeah, certainly. We can we can, we can clip that out and, and replay it when the Steelers sign Blake Bortles in week four. <laughs> Do you know what, what a surprise that Gav's championing you know the sign of Blake Bortles? But when I brought up Cam Newton, that was a ludicrous suggestion. Um, no, I, I was I was fully on board. I was on board with Cam. It was Rich that was. Uh, oh, was it, I, I could have sworn you were yeah, against yeah. the Cam signing. Okay, sorry. Was... No, no, I was up for it. All right, I'm attacking you, Rich. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> You've allowed this to happen. Um, I let the first time. I let the... First time you said that, I let it slide, but no, not this time. You said it twice now. <laughs> well, I'm just so used to you being the one that's, that's sort of shooting me down. You with think I'm things. a commodity, don't you? That's yeah, it. Well, yeah, you yeah. The angry old guy <laughs> getting annoyed at stuff. Uh, speaking <laughs> of angry old guys, uh, Rich, uh, how about the third, <laughs> the third part of our draft wow. season? 
<laughs> With that kind of lead in, how how could I decline? Um, <laughs> okay, so this is what part three of the coverage of the draft, focusing on the quarterbacks and specifically John Elway. So I think when we left off, the uh, the Buffalo Bills had just picked um, Jim Kelly, and yeah. which turned out to be, of course, a great pick for them. Uh, the Patriots picked next, and they're interested in Elway. But Acorsi, Ernie Acorsi, who, if, if you guys remember, is the GM of the Colts at that time, they, he refuses to trade to a team in his division. So he, he just he, he, uh, he's not going to make that trade. So the uh, Patriots take Tony Eason out of Illinois at 15. And uh, I, it was interesting because I saw an interview with the coach, I think it was Ron Meyer at the time, who is really – it's interesting how the draft has changed so much because Ron Meyer didn't want him. He just thought he was too frail, and he actually ended up being right. Um, but let's see. No, There's no relation no... to uh, Jacob Eason, right? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think right, so. Right, I just Googled that. and It says should not be confused with quarterback Tony Eason. So, no, just okay. a coincidence. There you go. <laughs> okay, so uh, no quarterbacks were taken in the next eight picks, including the Steelers at 21. They passed on Marino. If you read uh, Dan Rooney's book, he loved Marino. He absolutely wanted the Steelers to take Marino, but his dad – uh, Art Rooney Sr. felt like he did when the uh, Johnny United situation came up. He wanted to uh, have the coach make the, the final call on who he's drafting. So at that time, Chuck Knoll wanted to rebuild the defense, and he wanted to do it with a player that was similar to – that he thought would have a similar impact to Joe Green. He wanted to build from the defensive line out. So they, they took uh, Gabe Rivera. And uh, Gabe Rivera had a lot of potential. He, if you see any um, films of this guy, he was big, he was strong, he could tackle, and he could run quarterbacks down. Like, he had some nice speed for a guy of his size. I mean, he probably would have had a really great career with the Steelers. But tragically, he was paralyzed in a, in a car accident, and I think he only played three games, something like that, with the Steelers. Uh, so, let's see. The Cowboys... Um, we're going to pick next. Oh, actually, the, the San, uh, San Diego picks next. They take a DB. The Cowboys pick next, and they wanted, they wanted to, they tried to make a trade with uh, Baltimore a few weeks before. They wanted to trade their starting quarterback, who was Danny White at the time, who also was their punter. You know, you don't see that very often, but he actually was a really good punter. You might, I thought you might like that, Simon. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, but uh, the trade falls through. Um, and it just it doesn't happen. So the um, the uh, Cowboys end up taking Jim Jeffcoat, who became a pretty good defensive end for them. Uh, so let's see. At uh, at 24, the Jets take Ken O'Brien, who comes from. It's interesting because they passed on Dan Marino, and they take a Division two quarterback from California Davis. I mean, that was you know that was the, the show really points home how how strong there was a, there was a concern about taking marina i mean there was no yeah, i mean that's cr a crazy move i mean he had a fairly decent career didn't he but what what were they thinking yeah exactly exactly i mean you know it's it was a huge mistake and and i you know it's easy to play you know the second guess years later but i mean come on you know you, you had a guy you know division one great quarterback and you know and, and it's just he just o'brien just you know, he didn't have the skills Marino had. So uh, finally, three picks later, at 27, 
Dan Marino's drafted by the Dolphins. And uh, to round up the draft, the final pick of the first round, the Redskins draft Hall of Famer Daryl Green, who is just a phenomenal player. One of my all-time favorite players. I don't know how much you guys know of him, but he, he consistently won the NFL's fastest man competition. Um, he played 20 seasons with the Redskins, and he played to the age of 42. This is a starting corner. This isn't a corner that got older and they moved them to safety or they put kept them on special teams. He started till the day he retired at 42 years of age. This is amazing. I mean, this I, I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if we ever will again. That's you know that's one of the toughest positions in football. You know, yeah, so, a speed so that, one that relies on speed, like you say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what ends up happening after all these trade offers that he, either Robert Ursay, who, who was the uh, owner of the Colts at that time. Uh, or Ernie Corsi declines, what ends up happening is just amazing. Edgar Casey, or Kaiser, I'm sorry, Edgar Kaiser, who's the owner of the Denver Broncos at that time, had a relationship with the Colts owner, Rob Ursay. So they get together and they decide to go to Las Vegas and have a meeting about a trade, right? So it's just the two of them. Like Ernie Corsi and the, and the uh, Colts coach at that time, uh, Frank Cush, had no idea this was even happening. I mean, can you imagine this happening today? So they go to Las Vegas and they hash out a trade, just the two of them. So the trade was the Broncos got John Elway and the Colts uh, get the Broncos first round pick the following season. They get backup quarterback Mark Herman and they get the um, the Broncos first round pick for that draft, which if you guys remember was guard Chris Hinton, who ended up having a really good career. Um, you know, I don't think he made the Hall of Fame or anything, but he was good. He was a really good, solid guard. So after all that, of course, he's just fed up with it. And um, he resigns after that season. After the 83 season, he, he can't take it anymore. <laughs> he resigned because he would. I think he was right. I think if they would just held on and just bit the bullet for the next season, there, there was no there was. No really great quarterbacks in that draft. I think they would have got a lot for Elway. And Elway probably would have played a year of baseball for the Yankees and then probably would have came back to the NFL. But that didn't happen. And that's the way it uh, that's the way it ended. And I uh, I looked up your you want to know, um, Gavin, who the quarterback was for the Colts when they made that when they when they drafted Elway. And it was Mike Pagel, who was uh, he was in his second year at that time. They drafted him, I think, in the fourth round the year before. Right, so he was kind of a bridge guy. They weren't really yeah. in on him. Right. Exactly. So that's, uh, that. I mean, I think one of the most interesting drafts in NFL yeah. history. Crazy, and we all know what happened. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I was just looking at Darrell Green there. I mean, I remember him playing, but I didn't realize he was still making Pro Bowls. He made, I mean, he made Pro Bowls in 90, 91, 96, 97. I mean, he was good, man. He was properly good. Yeah, he was he was pretty. I, I mean, they used to have the NFL's fastest man at that at that time for for I, I think they did it for about seven years maybe. And Rod Woodson from the Steelers won it one year. Um, but but when Green was there, most of the time when he entered it, he won most of the time, not all the time. And it was so interesting because he's going up against these guys who are like Willie Galt was world class track athlete, world class sprinter. And when they're when you're running, you could see it because Willie Galt has this perfect form, you know, hands in perfect position, knees high, you know, 
his feet are coming back, kicking his rear end, just like a sprinter, just like a sprinter's form should be. And Daryl Green is running like he's <laughs> like he has no form at all. His hands are flying everywhere. He's just trying to run as fast as he can. And he's beating these guys. You know, it was it was really amazing. He was just a natural athlete. Like I could imagine if a track coach would have grabbed him in high school and taught him how to run, he probably would have been even faster, you know, but uh, yeah. really, really great player. Yeah. Awesome. It's crazy, isn't it? Like wow. you look at the sort of the, the downtrodden franchises over the decades and it's these kind of decisions that, that have ripple effects for, for years, right? Look, imagine if the Jets had drafted Dan Marino, you know, they'd yeah. have probably, they'd have buzzed it up. Yeah. Man. Well, I was just thinking that maybe they would have, uh, you know, maybe Sam Darnold goes to the Patriots and he's, you know, the next Tom Brady. But yeah, it's just crazy, isn't it? You know, these these little yeah. decisions just add up and, and multiply and multiply and years and years of bad management and bad decisions and that's what you end up with. But any thoughts? So, do you think it was sorry? The, 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 yeah, sorry. I was gonna say, do you think do you think it was the cocaine or or the the dip in in the, the his uh his senior year? What 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 was why did all these teams pass on Marino? Well, that was the that was the rumor, and I think I told you guys a few weeks ago that I was in high school the same time he was. Uh, he was a little older than me, but um, I, I remember those rumors. I remember people talking about ah, Marino never goes to class; he just gets A's, you know, in all his classes. He never shows up. He does coke all the time, and you know the the Steelers investigated him because they were interested, um, and they couldn't find anything. And you know, I've I've seen interviews with Jimbo Covert, who was his, um, you know, he's a Hall of Fame tackle. We talked about him a couple weeks ago, a little bit, and uh, he was Marino's roommate at Pitt. And he said, no, we absolutely. Neither one of us ever touched that stuff. You know, so there were rumors that were strong enough out there at the time that scared these teams away. But, you know, I don't, they, they've never been proven or they never were proven at that time and probably never will be. So, you know, it's it's possibility that they were just rumors. Did, did uh, the Steelers and, and Pitt share a facility like they do now? Were they in the same buildings? Um. At that time, no. They, I think, at that time, Pitt was playing, had their own field. They were playing, uh, they were using, and had their own facilities. And then when that field closed down, and for the life of me, I can't remember. Oh, geez, I can't remember the name of the field. Um, but I, I, I saw Tony Dorsett play there when I was a kid. Um, I remember. Um, but uh, no, they weren't sharing facilities at that time. Is he? Is he the greatest Pitt Panther? Or, or Darrell Revis, who who is there? Who do they hold up? I, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know that much about the, about the Pitt Panthers. You probably know a bit more than me. Or like growing up, or or during that time, who who is their kind of their best players to come out? Who's their greatest alum? It must be Marino. I would, I would see. I would say it'd probably be Dorsett or Marino, one of those two guys. Right. I mean, they've had some great players. You know, Hugh Green came out of Pittsburgh, who was a defensive player that a lot of people across the country thought should have won. The Heisman. He was just so dominant, and I think the uh, Buccaneers ended up drafting him, ended up having a good NFL career. Uh, but I would I would say if you're if you're going to look strictly at how their careers turned out in the NFL, you'd have to probably go with Marino or Dorsett. Probably Dorsett because he won the Super Bowls. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's the only stain on Marino, really, isn't it? He never yeah. got over that bar. It's a shame because what a player. I mean, I used to, you know, I think he he. He is responsible for a lot of what happened in the UK with people getting into the NFL. I mean, he was, you know, the, when it first started in the 80s, you know, he was on and 
it was just amazing what he was doing and, and a lot of people fell in love and that's why there's a lot of Miami Dolphins fans in the UK is because of him. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Oh, uh, Henry Hodgson from yeah, yeah. NFL, now, now he's the mm. director of international affairs. He, uh, he basically, yeah, he was one of those guys. Got fed it, he's just, like me, was watching on Channel 4 and now, now he's you know running it, the department for the NFL. Dan Marino. Hmm. And he always tells that story, right, about how you should never meet your heroes because he actually met him and he was a little bit, uh, a, a little bit weird, a little bit, a bit, a bit strange, but <laughs> more concerned about how he was going to be portrayed in an interview than actually talking about anything. Um, yeah, I imagine that like like uh, like, it, like uh, Dan Marino in Ace Ventura. I imagine yeah. it's like that when Ace. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of weird. I'm wondering on the um, on the whole cocaine thing. I know it's, I know it's a, a bit of a. It's a different, entirely different industry. I remember reading Lemmy's autobiography, Lemmy from Motorhead, and it's called White Line Fever. If you've not read it, it's a great read. Go and read it. But um, I remember him saying, you can't play the amount of dates I played in all these countries by being high on life. (laughs) You need something to get you through that. And for him, it was cocaine and speed. So is there an element of that to it, maybe? Is that a part in it? I'm, I don't know. One of my one of my former bosses, uh, I used to work for this guy that um, was part of. Uh, this is he was part of the Divine Comedy, right? So uh, that was I, you. You probably haven't. None of you have probably heard of that band, but they they were quite big, like late nineties. And he was the guitarist for them. Um, they they played they 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 toured. You know, they they toured with U two and stuff. They're a big Irish band, and um, they had they did like they. I don't know if you remember Father Ted, but that that song, the theme yeah. song of Father Ted, that that was them. That was their song, which Father Ted used. Now everyone knows it from Father Ted, but actually it was it was Divine Comedy, and uh, they had they had like some big big hits back in the sort of late nineties. He he did all that, and he said on tour you'd have this, you'd always have a rock doctor, which was basically this some dude that would just turn up. You know, oh. So and so has got a, uh, you know, he's hungover. He's come down off all the drugs. He, you know, he's ill. He can't perform. He's, you know, he's in a bad way. The rock doctor would turn up, briefcase, like here, take this, take these pills. They give you like a, a, a an injection with a load of vitamins and all these other things. And literally, he said the, the guy, you know, it's uh, all this stuff is as, as illegal as cocaine, or whatever. It's just completely like illicit drugs, right? But you just pump me full of stuff, and then suddenly the guy's up on his feet and he's raring to go and he's ready. Like, uh, everyone needs a bit of a rock doctor in their life I think we we should have access to this as well you know, I need it you know sometimes maybe on a Sunday night I've been watching some football feeling a bit ropey on a Monday morning I need the rock doctor we all need the rock doctor in our lives send me a message later Gav I'll sort you out okay <laughs> <laughs> landscape gardening has never been the real uh, the real income maker for, for Dave um, any ideas what the, the next intrepid exploration into the history box is going to be Rich? I have not decided. Okay, okay. The mystery remains open. Keep, yeah, yeah, keep, the, yeah. keep the whistles wet. <laughs> I think it's better that way, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be dropped on us like a surprise one day, and we'll we'll all be excited. Well, thank you for that. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, Dave, Dave, kebabs, bring us some, please. We're not on kebabs this week. We're Ooh. staying on football. Oh wow! Oh. Um, <laughs> now, from it's sort of football from a, a UK fans' perspective. Um, now, whenever you meet someone who is not a part of that sort of world, they've never, maybe never watched the NFL or they've sort of got a passing interest in it, mm. and they find out that you are a fan of a team or you watch it a lot or whatever, you're often asked, or I'm often asked anyway, 
why did you pick that team or how did you come to f- settle on that team? And you have that well-rehearsed <laughs> answer in your head that's ready to be churned out because you've said it about a thousand times to everyone who asked you. But it made me sort of question, like, what if I didn't? What if I didn't pick the Steelers as, as my team? Oh. Now, I've got a bit of a soft spot for a couple of teams. that I, When I first started watching, I used to watch maybe three or four teams quite a bit. And Steelers are one of them. But I also used to watch the Saints as well and the Rams a bit. And it just sort of, I, had a, I continue to sort of have a passing interest in them and the Giants as well, because a friend of mine is a Giants fan. Just sort of, there's a soft spot there. Um, so it, I'm wondering if you guys weren't Steelers fans, I'm, I'm quite interested to hear what Rich has got to say on this. Um, if you weren't Steelers fans, who most aligns with your sort of um, I don't know with your way of life? Who, who would you end up being a fan of? Well, I'll go first. Um, so, uh, by rights, I should be a Cardinals fan because, well, that or if uh, Salt Lake City had a team, because I've got uh, family in in Phoenix and Tucson and and in Salt Lake, um, but. Uh, when I was getting into the NFL, which was in the sort of mid to late 80s, the Cardinals were in St. Louis still. So they didn't have a team. So I did I did consider, like when 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 the Cardinals moved, I did consider. But in the end, I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't. Although like, uh, I've always liked Larry Fitz. And again, another Pitt Panther, former Pitt Panther. Great player. Always enjoyed watching him. I've, I've always kind of followed the Cardinals, but... And so it was kind of weird for me in that in that Super Bowl when it was, you know, it was, a, again, Kurt Warner, another player that I always liked, was, was leading the Cardinals against my Steelers. And I, I wasn't torn. I wanted, I was absolutely desperate for the Steelers to win, of course. But, uh, you know, if, if, if it wasn't the Steelers, I would have been cheering for the Cardinals. So it was kind of weird. And, but obviously, you know, as I, I think I've said before, you know, I nearly broke my mate's couch jumping up and down when, when uh, Debo caught that pick. But um, I've, I've always, you know, had a, had, a, had a slight interest in the Cardinals. I, I'm, I don't support them at all. I don't care what happens to them. But, um, you know, I, 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 I'd rather them be, for, for my family, for my cousin's sake, you know, I'd rather them be a decent team rather than a joke. So, you know, the, the, the Carson Palmer period recently when they were good, I kind of, yeah, I felt I felt pleased. I'd, I'd rather them be successful so that he's happy and you know he's got something to uplift his life rather than just drudgery and and failure like what normally happens with that with that franchise. Uh, I mean, I I get kind of teased about mine right by you guys a lot. You know mine right, Gav? Yeah, Seahawks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Yeah, uh, the Seahawks, man. The only reason to see, I mean, people get upset. Uh, I don't think they get genuinely upset, but people tease me a bit, you know, saying that you can't have uh, two teams. I, I by no means have two teams, right? I do not, you know, I'm not a fan of the Seahawks at all. Has, has anyone accused you of having two teams? People have. Oh, no, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's not about who's, what, what's your other team. It's it's. No, I know. If you weren't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that would be the answer, Dave. Right? It would be the Seahawks, yeah. and and the reason for that. But people do get on me about this because I because I don't mind it as much because they're in the NFC, right? So I'll be like, you know, if the NFC, you know, if I get to root for an NFC champion, I'll root for the Seahawks, right? Uh, it doesn't mean that I would ever consider rooting for them over the, the Steelers in any way, but it's just you know, I don't see any harm in that. But but the reason is because if I was the kind of person who would you know not chosen a team straight 
the kind of person I am, I had to choose a team and then I got into the sport, right? But if I was the kind of person who sort of just watched the sport for a while and then naturally fell into a team, it probably would have been the Seahawks because when I was getting into it, that was the team that, that you know, without without them at that time, that Pete Carroll team in the early years of Russell Wilson and, and uh, you know, especially that AFC Championship game where Russell Wilson... Uh, sorry, where Richard Sherman intercepted that pass over Michael Crabtree. You know, that was the, the moment probably for me where I was decided that, you know, this was the best sport on the planet. Um, and, you know, I, I, so I, I give them a lot of credit for that and I enjoy this Seahawks team. It's probably more to do with the, you know, that team specifically rather than the Seahawks themselves, you know, if that makes any sense. But um, so that that's mine. And that's why I always have a bit of a soft spot for the Seahawks. And I kind of like that team and I like Pete Carroll and, and the vibe that's going on up there in Seattle. Um, I, I think if I had uh, realised at the time, I might have ended up an Eagles fan as well. Because, um, as everyone knows, I, I kind of accidentally fell into being a Steelers fan because of the I recognised the logo right originally. Um, if I had realised, my favourite band are huge Eagles fans, and uh, they have loads of references in the songs. And the if you remember, ages and ages ago, Gav, uh, the the lead singer even sent in like a thing for. Um, around the NFL show and that, and he listens to that. And if I if I'd have realised that before, I'd have noticed the Steelers connection. Who knows? I might have been an Eagles fan. So, um, I, I spoke I spoke about this a long time ago when we first told these kind of stories about how these kind of tiny little decisions impact your life so much. But you know, I think those are the two teams that realistically I could have uh, fallen in on um, if it had not been the Steelers. But uh, yeah, I thought, Rich, what what do you think? I mean, it's different for you, right? Because you you were brought up a Steelers fan. Yeah. Well, you know. I started going to games when I was nine years old, but before that, say six, seven, eight, I was a big Colts fan. Ooh. Like I had John Mackey's poster on my wall and um, I love Johnny Unitas. I love Lenny Moore. I just, I love the Baltimore Colts for some reason. I, I don't really know why. Um, but as far as if we're looking today and, and, and as you guys are answering the question, I'm trying to think of, what team I have a connection with. And I remember when I was younger, say my, you know, my twenties, thirties, I used to have this little plush referee thing that the arms and legs and head are removable. And, 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 and I'd watch a Steeler game when there was a bad call, I'd rip the head off of the referee and throw it at the TV. <laughs> and, and, and I'm trying to think what team out there right now could pull out this raw idiotic passion <laughs> that I have for the Steelers and there is there's none like I don't I don't feel a connection to any other team like nothing else brings out those emotions in me like the Steelers so I guess yeah. the best I can answer that is when I was a kid it was the Colts I mean you, you've been you've been you know watching football longer than we guys have have you have you kind of reached a point where you you don't do the kind of angry other franchises for their success kind of thing you know are you uh like, like we we're saying about the you know the the, the patriots getting cam like are you, does that anger you or are you just like ah whatever um yeah i mean it can for sure i mean i i it's not like i've risen above that at some point <laughs> i've become a guru a football <laughs> guru you know football zen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no not at all i mean the, the the cam thing doesn't bother me because i i i don't know if that doesn't blow up in their face i don't know maybe not i don't know we'll see but that doesn't really bother me if they would have signed you know if somehow russell wilson was a free agent and they signed russell wilson i then i would be pissed you know <laughs> because we'd be in the same boat that we've been in, in in years past but um yeah no i'm not above that gab unfortunately um yeah 
I still I still get fired up. It's not to the point where I'm going to throw referee toys at the TV anymore. <laughs> but you know, I I still definitely I have that in me. What about what about wishing ill to you know Ravens teams or Browns teams? You kind of rooting for injuries or? No, no, I, I never. I, you know, because I, because I've been in a, you know, because I've done things in in our industry where you know I, they're very physical, and I know how important it is to be healthy for for your for your career and for your for your job to put food on the on the table for your family. I would never wish anyone to be injured. You know, even Tom Brady, I would never wish anyone to be injured. Sure. You know. So it doesn't. It def. It definitely doesn't go that far. Or, or just just misfortune, maybe. So you know, I don't know. Oh, I'd like to see guys get cracked good. I'd like to see TJ Watt come around the end and crack somebody real good, and maybe they go out for a few plays. That would, that'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You well, can, you know, their, their general manager gets arrested for uh, you know doing some drunk driving. That kind of... <laughs> <laughs> you, that on, you cheering that on, or are you above it? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I probably waver somewhere in there. I, I don't really like to see bad things happen to anyone. You know, I, I, w- I would really rather just see, you know, them come out with their best and we come out with, with their with our best and we just kick the crap out of them. Yeah, that, that's, that's where I am. I, I, I want to see the Steelers beat everyone fair and square. I, I don't want to see a Super Bowl where everyone comes down with flu and, and you know, you've got a bunch of replacements playing. And that doesn't it doesn't excite me. You know, I, I like the sport because of the competitive nature. I, yeah. I want to see best versus the best yeah 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 i never understood that it's like you guys play some video games it's like these kids these days on video games they have these these cheats you know where they lock in on guys automatically and you don't even have to be good you did the the computer or the you know does everything you know it's like i don't know how you could enjoy that like (laughs) how could you get anything out of that you know yeah aim bots yeah awful yeah i think the the only other team i can get on board with would be the bills just so i can like choke slam people through tables that's a bit of me that is i yeah, love that you are a bit of a bills fan yeah yeah my brother's a bills guy yeah it's i think it's a, a certain type of fan in the uk that wants wants the bills to do well it's kind of a a, a blue collar dude like like yourself I could, meathead I could, yeah i could see dave around like oh, a meat, fire and, you know in the snow and and you know Elbow diving off RVs through tables. I could see it. That's, that's very much his vibe, you know. Well, I think that in a Steelers jersey quite happily. I'm happy <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Takes a special a special team to lose the Super Bowl four times. Yeah, but they're the only team that went there four times, which is yeah itself is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing to get there four times and then lose it. But I mean, yeah, everyone has a story. That's but it's, it's just bonkers, isn't it? It's bonkers. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you think you'd win one by accident in four. Well, you know, they missed that field goal in the first one, and that, that yeah. kind of set them up for for the next three, I think. Yeah. He missed it. Yeah, that was that was bad. Well, Rich, uh, from your perspective, uh, you know, being a bit different from us, what do you think of people uh, having, you know, I don't even consider it a second team, frankly, but, you know, teams that they, they kind of maybe find themselves rooting for outside of the, the main team? Do you have like major issues with this, or because a lot a lot of people seem viscerally angry by this? I never. No, nah, I, I don't have major issues with it. I, I think it's weird when people were born and raised in Pittsburgh and they and their favorite team is someone else. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I and that, honestly, I haven't met too many people like that. I, I mean, I don't even, I can't even remember. I'm sure they're they're out there, but I don't even remember meeting anyone like that. But I mean, you know, you know, and there's always those people that um, they jump from team to team. 
Yeah, you know, whatever good. team is the dominant team at the time, that's who they're rooting for, and they just like winners. And and you know what? It's not that's not me, but I I don't really get on people for that. Everybody has different things that floats their boat, you know. So, I find that a bit weird. Yeah, man. I can't get that's weird. With that. <laughs> that's 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 annoying me at, some, at a certain point. <laughs> you gotta take the rough with the smooth, right? Yeah. What's, what's the saying? Uh, smooth smooth seas don't make smooth sailors. Yeah, like you you, you gotta yeah. experience the pain before you can experience the joy. It's yeah, all part of the journey, isn't it? It's yeah. all part of the. You, you don't you can't enjoy the high times if you've not experienced the low ones. Absolutely, that that's what was so great about watching the Steelers as a kid, because you know I. I remember, geez, I mean, they would just get destroyed some games. I remember OJ, I went to a game where OJ Simpson just, I think, rushed for like 240 some yards or 230 some yards against the Steelers and just destroyed them. And they, I mean, and so to see them, you know, build this team to, to these, this, to this immortal team that is right up there with the greatest teams of all time, that journey was amazing. There's nothing better than that, you know, in sports, in my opinion. Is he? Is who? Who's the best? The best player you've seen play live? Is that OJ? Um, well, I mean, you know, it, if it, you mean other than the Steelers, other than the Steelers, yeah, away team. Well, I don't know. You know, I saw Bart Starr play. I saw Joe Namath play. Uh, I saw Brett Favre play. I mean, Brett Favre's right up there. He might be one of the greatest ones I've ever seen. I've ever seen play. Um, out of all the people that are retired, I'm saying. Um. Yeah, there, there's been a there's been a bunch. Yeah, OJ for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, there's something special about watching a running back live, right? I mean, yeah. Again, with again with you know, obviously quarterbacks are amazing, but there's just something. I I I was lucky enough. You know, we've seen Wembley games. I was lucky enough to see uh, Adrian Peterson and uh, LT play at Wembley, mm-hmm. and LT man. I mean, just um, the the electricity in that stadium every time he got the ball. And the moves he... And this was towards the end of his career. It was after the playoff run they had. Um, and it was against the Saints in that. And, you know, that was the, the season with they, they had Reggie Bush and they went on to win the Super Bowl. But the electricity in the, in the stadium, every time LT got the ball and it was just, you know, everyone was holding their breath as, what's he going to do? And then he just put a move on someone. And it was it was amazing. And I just can't imagine what it was like watching OJ. Well, I mean, and, that, just... and, and to me, that's why that's one of my favorite decades of football. The 70s was the running game. Because I'm the same as you, Gavin. I love, love running backs. I love to watch. I, I can watch, you know, a great run all day over over anything in football, a great sack or a great pass or whatever. I just love to see great runs. And um, and that was, man, the 70s. If you ever, if anybody really is into running backs, check out the ones in the 70s. Because back then, when you rushed for 1,000 yards, that was an accomplishment. You know, that was quite – because you didn't have as many games you were playing. So that was – that was something. There were some great running backs back then. I mean, guys that you don't even hear of any, that you don't really know of anymore. Otis Armstrong for the for the Broncos. Like these these guys that were just fantastic running backs. I mean, it was a good time for for, for running back then. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I know you hate PFF, but it's it's interesting what they say about about their their opinion of the of the running back position is is not that running back was was never important. It's that you know. Running back has been caught up by by scheme and by the fact that everyone on the team is now such such athletes that the the difference between having a good running back and a great running back doesn't matter anymore. Whereas in in high school now it does it makes a massive difference. The running back is the best player on the team. In college it still matters to a degree, not quite as much, but it still is. If you're a good if you're a great running back, you're going to win games. 
Whereas now in the NFL, if you're a great running back, the difference that you're adding to your team it is marginal. It's it's minimal right. because the the defenses are all the the t- absolute top athletes. So so therefore the 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 advantage is found in other positions. So that's why running backs become devalued because back in Jim Brown's day, he was absolutely, you know, light years ahead of everyone else on the field. Whereas now you take, you know, a a Frank Gore and you take a Saquon Barkley. um, The the real difference doesn't come in a running game. It comes in, in what you can do in the passing game, right? That that's where you make an influence. That's where you, you, you make a real difference. You you can be an average guy and still it's 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 about what the the line does it's about the space it's given because that's the only advantage being being such a skillful player doesn't actually give you that much which is why we're seeing the devaluation so it, it it's interesting to see what's going to happen with the Steelers because we've got so many players now we've got a, an AGM back there what, what's going to happen we just it, it's more about the line it's more about who's who's going to solidify that that blocking that run game um that's going to make the difference. So it's it's almost like you shouldn't really be down on Connor for last year. It wasn't his fault. Like he he's a great running back. He 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 can do it. It's about what's in front of him. It's about the opportunities. It's about the scheme. It's about about how well how you know the, the, everything or everything else. So right. Interesting changes. Well, yeah. The, I mean, the run pass ratio has completely flip flopped over the years. You know, so at one at one time they were valued so high as well because of, of that was the game running was the game you know so you had to have a great running back and then you know over the years it you know if you ran i don't know what the average was but say the average was 65 70 percent in the 70s and now you're running maybe i don't know 40 percent 35 percent now you know during a game so it's like it's that position isn't isn't valued as high naturally because of the flip-flop and the ratio of run pass yeah yeah. I think it might actually come to, to, to pass that this overcorrects itself and we, we see a bit of a return to the value of the running back. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think people are starting to... I, I've said this for for a while now, right? That, that you know, PFF said, what was it? That the most valuable players... and there was It was the redraft thing, wasn't it, Gav? Where uh, no running backs were taken or one was in the top, uh, yeah. whatever it was. And, you know, I think one in the top four yeah, rounds. And I think that's where the you know this over-reliance on analytics starts to get a little bit silly because the difference that a Christian McCaffrey brings to a team is you know, more than just what PFF is going to try and highlight. But that's a conversation for another day, I think. Um, yeah, you've, you've really opened a can of worms here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I aim to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for, for, you know, for Christmas, uh, it looks like uh, we're getting Dave a, a, a Bills jersey and, and me a Seahawks one, and we're going we're gonna to have to track down an old Baltimore Colts one for Rich. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah and, and a Fitzger- Larry Fitzgerald one for... for Hey, I, I wouldn't well. argue with that. Give, give me, give me the uh, Fitzgerald uh, Pitt Panthers one. Give yeah. me that. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for uh, sticking around with us this week uh, through all that's going on. Uh, follow the show at UK Steelers Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Cy Wrote This. Follow Gav GM Boom Op and follow uh, Dave at This Is Dave Hart. Uh, Rich is Stunt underscore Batman uh, Instagram, uh, and we'll see you all next week. See you later. See you later, Cheers, guys. Bye. See ya.